Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're talking about trust and the idea of trust in the recovery from a disordered eating or body hatred or any kind of recovery, really. You know, there's got to be some trust there at some point. And so the goddess on the front of the card is standing on her head. (laughs) (laughs) And she is trusting that the earth is going to hold her up. And the little deer is also looking at her trusting that she's going to be held up and not fall off the cliff. And so the back of the card reads, trust is the knowing that our bodies are living intelligences, giving us immediate feedback about what does and doesn't work for us. When we stop viewing our bodies as something we need to control and manipulate, we can begin seeing them as very wise teachers. When we start to trust our bodies, we can listen and understand what they need. So for me, that trust in my body took a long time to get in my eating disorder. I didn't really trust my body, to tell you the truth. I hated my body for so long that I just felt it was an enemy that I had to drag around with me. So I used to say I didn't trust myself as far as I could throw myself. I just thought that it wanted to do something I didn't want it to do. You know, it wanted to be fat and I didn't want it to be fat. And I just wanted to be lazy and I didn't want it to be lazy. And I had such bad feeling about my body for so long. And I only liked it if it was doing exactly what I wanted it to do, which was be ultra thin, thinner than it wanted to be, and perfect, which of course, it never would be like that for very long. You know, it's never going to be perfect, and it couldn't stay starving for very long either. I just had to trust that it knew it had a plan, it had a way, and I had to trust that it knew that. And like at my age at this point, the trusting of the aging process is phenomenal. That is a whole other level that until I got to be a certain age, I didn't even think about. So to trust that I'm not sick, I'm just a year older. (laughs) And I have this thing to deal with, whatever it is, this knee, this illness, this arthritis, this whatever. And, you know, we just have all been through the pandemic and it's hard to trust about that. Now it's hard to even trust it. I've been vaccinated and it's hard to trust that's going to work and trust that other people are going to do what they need to do to keep me safe and just a lot of stuff here. (laughs) Trusting that my grandchildren after being out of school are going to be okay when they go back to school. There's a lot that we have to trust right now that feels very scary to do so. 
But I have a great example of somebody who trusts and has learned how to trust in order to live and do the work that she does and continues to do. And so I am so grateful that Lindsay is here and is going to talk about what the hell? (laughs) How does she get through the day with trusting? And how does she help her clients to get through their days with trusting? So, yeah, introduce yourself. Tell us what you're doing, what's up with you, and what are you working on? (laughs) Sure. So I'll I'll just give you a brief synopsis of, like, what I do. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I work a lot with trauma. I work with eating disorders. I work with dual diagnosis, anxiety disorders. My main two areas of concentration right now are equine assisted psychotherapy as well, working with eco psychology and ecotherapy. Wow. And those two things uh, kind of came about because I was seeing that my clients needed more than what could be offered in the office and needing an, a deeper connection with meaning and purpose. And going with the theme of trust, I was seeing that modern psychotherapy was lacking something that I felt that was really, really needed and also within my own recovery, my own healing that had been beneficial for me. When you were talking about trust and trusting our bodies, their intelligence, often, you know, that is what happens in eating disorders. We are not in connection with that. And I think the bigger question is on a conscious level, how do we as a culture as a collective work on embodying and being more mindful and in our bodies, because we live in a culture in which, you know, it's go, 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 it's achieve, it's do this, it's do that. And especially our Westernized culture is not set up to really be in a place of embodiment. And so that definitely being key, you know, when you said when you struggled with some of that perfection and that wanting that perfect body, I can't remember what culture I'm thinking it's Grecian culture. I can't say the exact word in, in, in their language that but perfect actually means whole. Oh, interesting. Which is not what it means in this culture. Exactly. <laughs> it means unattainable. <laughs> Always struggling to be perfect. Always struggling. So what a wonderful way to kind of change that meaning to what it really means and then to come from that place for your clients and for ourselves. I am already perfect. I'm a whole person already. Even if I have stuff I'm working on, I'm still okay. So explain to me what the eco therapy is. So eco-psychology is really rooted in the wisdom, especially of indigenous culture, that our earth has all the answers. It has the medicine. It has everything. And really, if you look at the cycles of the season, everything, it's really the life and death that every single you know day we all have we're going through this consistent wheel of life and death within ourselves and it's really looking at what we're lacking in our culture is really connecting to the earth that has the answers that clearly is crying please help me at this point with our global just with the earth the crisis the animals the planet global warming all of that that it's connecting 
And it's knowing that we are not separate from, we are all part of. And that it's this separateness, really, with all my studies, it's this separateness, especially in westernized culture and this rugged individualism that actually really creates a lot of neurosis, which causes a lot of split, which causes a lot of disorder. That's right. I mean, I have clients that say, well, I can't depend on other people because I should be able to do this myself. It's, it's not really the way things are, that we actually need people. We need a community. We just saw that for two years in the pandemic of how many people fell off a cliff, dropped through the cracks. Even if we're loners or people who like to be alone, that was a little much. And uh, we're not islands. And thank goodness for dogs. Yeah, well, the human basic need is all of us need to belong. Yeah. And then tell me about the equine therapy. So, yeah, equine therapy. So I started that training about, I think it's been maybe two, two and a half years ago. The nice thing about and the beautiful thing about horses is horses are in tune with our energy our energetic field. You know, humans, we can walk into a room, we can be angry and we can act like everything is fine and that we're happy and we can put on that facade. Horses bypass that. They know exactly (laughs) how we are, where they are. And so the feedback and the communication that they give us is very clear. It's very clear. And I find that the equine work really cuts through some of the BS that gets right to the nitty gritty of what is here. It's very much in the moment. It's also very much leadership oriented because how horses are is when you're doing things with them, you're the leader or they're the leader. There's no in between. Wow. So you're both the leaders. Yeah. So with the horses, I work a lot with, you know, somatics, the body, being in the body. For example, one of the exercises I might do is I work with equine. I work in the way of having an intention to work with. If you have an intention when you're working with horses, that is when you're going to get the most out of session because they're knowing what you're wanting. They're knowing what you're needing. It's clear. The only way to be unsafe around a horse is if they're trained and all that is to have incongruent energy. Wow. Interesting. Because incongruent energy reminds them of a predator. Wow. And that makes them prey. Yeah. Which they're not happy with that. Well, right. And so if you're angry, <laughs> be angry. Is. If you're afraid of them, be afraid of them. Like it's okay. And so for an example, like one of the things, if I had like an eating disorder client, which I have had many out there and I like to couple the work, I had one individual struggling with an eating disorder who was working on boundaries and trusting that she could set healthy boundaries. And so her affirmation was, I said, healthy boundaries. So her activity was to put a harness on the horse and to lead the horse. Okay. And to choose where she was going to lead that horse to. So the intention of I'm owning in my body that I set healthy boundaries. Okay. And so now the horse is so attuned to energy that if she pops out of that, the horse may, usually they're going to stop. They're not going to want to go. So you really have to practice staying rooted in your body. What was funny is she picked one of the horses that I feel like 
he can be a little bit more pushy than some of the others. And when she was leading, he kept coming up right behind her by her butt and nudging her butt. <laughs> and then he kept doing it and doing it. I'm just like, what is that resembling? She's like your mother, right? She's all, yeah. And your mother, that's what she does. She just crosses your boundaries and she pushes you all around. Yeah. As soon as she internally set that boundary with her mother and told her mother to stop the horse wow. stop. So it's it, such it's a just beautiful the- thing. Yeah, the horse works pretty miraculous. They're amazing, intuitive beings that connect us to something bigger. And how do you get these horses to be so available for this work for you? When we have a group of horses that get what you're doing and okay with all kinds of people coming out and to learn on them. Yeah, the person who owns the horses, my friend who owns the horses, most of them have been together for about eight years. They're all rescue horses. They all have some type of abuse story, most of them. It's just being out there. It's really interesting because before the client even comes out, the horse is chosen that they want to work with them. It's that succinct, it's that energetic. I've only had one time where all of the horses were like, no, we don't want to do an activity, but it was actually exactly what needed to happen in the medicine that needed to happen. I see. So they're still doing their job. Even if they don't want to do their job, (laughs) that's the job. (laughs) The job is no. (laughs) The job is yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and that is Genesis. It was being that actually there was a need to be and not to do and actually just let that in and be grounded and to sit and be with what was. Which is a huge lesson and one that we don't learn that often. Just be with what is, you know, just put your arm around what it is. You know, ecotherapy is about finding our own resiliency about growing, but it's also then how do we take the medicine and bring it back into our lives, into our community, our collective community, because we are all one. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Yeah. I mean, and do people get that and get that why that's good for them as somebody with an eating disorder or illness or a struggle? Yeah, I think, you know, at least in my experience, a lot of individuals with eating disorders can get steered off track or not know what is my intention? What is my purpose? And, you know, it has everything to do with what they're feeding themselves nutritionally to what are they feeding themselves spiritually? What are they feeding themselves social media? What are they, the people in their life, how they spend their time? And that usually people who are coming out to this, they want to learn and they want to incorporate that because they know that there's something that's missing. Yes. And I know that I'm the animal of the animal testing. So I'm sure that you tried this on yourself first. And how did that go with the struggles that 
you know, you've been on or. Yeah. Well, I think that I definitely did try on equine therapy for a while. I've always felt a draw and a connection to animals more than human beings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hence my dog, horses, all of that. And so I did that. And I I feel like that in my work with the earth, you know, I had to do a lot of healing work in the lens of in my eco psychology program, healing my relationship with earth because I felt like it was a bit broken after my fight with chronic Lyme disease and getting sick being outside and all of that. But it really helped me in a way recover from the eating disorder because I was able to really learn to touch in to my intuition with my sense with animals, with the earth in a way that we often get stripped from us at a young age in the culture, you know? So it helped me in that way. And I think also challenge the way that I look at the world and what is actually important. Yeah. So how did you get to that place? Well, I think part of it was like, I love my work in the office, but honestly, I was getting a little bored. (laughs) (laughs) And then the pandemic happened and it's just like, oh, and I just didn't want to be sitting all the time either. Like, I just felt like there needs to be a more somatic based thing. And what better than animals for most people, because most people feel safer than animals than they do other people. I know it's so true. So I have, I really very seldom in my life have lived without a dog or a cat or something. Almost every picture of myself when I was a little girl, I have a dog or a cat in my lap or I'm holding them or they're on my shoulder or I'm next to them, whatever. And I feel like they saved my life as a child. Really, I do. And I've had different places that we've looked at for Beyond Hunger to put as our office. And if a landlord said, oh, you can't have a dog in here, the discussion is over. Because I found working with the population I had that a lot of women that had been sexually molested, emotionally traumatized, physically beaten or whatever, soul death of one sort or another, that the animals in the room was what was going to make them feel safe enough to open up and talk. And I just wouldn't put up with it. You know, I didn't care how great the place was. I wasn't going to get it if I couldn't bring my dog, if other people couldn't bring their dog that they needed to have in the room. So I'm a firm believer in that. And I love that you have such a special connection to your dog Obviously, you know, it's you and your dog on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) More like it's him and me. Yeah, or just him. (laughs) And uh, me, I'm the same way. And so you brought in this other animal that so many people are scared of, this big, scary horse. And of course, you're teaching them to trust themselves and to trust this and what a beautiful way to do that. It really is wonderful. Well, and I have the experience. It's too, you know, I've had two, because I, I, on Sundays, I try to bring out clinicians and friends out to just to see the work. And I've actually had two therapists that I know, one, you know, who is really afraid of horses. And they've came out and they're just like, I'm not afraid of horses anymore. That's so great. And there's so much power in like, oh my God, this like 13 or 14 or 1500 pound animals they're they're trusting me yes and they are trusting you not to hurt them 
and trusting you to be authentic. So beautiful. I don't know anybody that <laughs> that trusts us to do that. I do know that my dog, all my dogs, they might not like certain things I did, but they love me enough to look past that. <laughs> Well, and I think animals, too, are such a good way to learn boundaries as well. And intuitiveness. If my dog doesn't feel good, she won't eat. Unlike me, if I didn't feel good, then I needed to probably eat more. (laughs) And I couldn't tell the difference between not feeling good physically and not feeling good emotionally. But she's pretty clear. Or I like this food or I don't like this food. And I'm not, I don't care. I'm not going to eat it. I don't like it. Especially my cat is more like that. You know, she doesn't care. That little can of cat food costs $5. She's, well, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not eating it. Don't want it. Sorry. And we can learn a lot from that kind of boundaries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how is your health going, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's up and down. You know, I've got some stuff going on, but I feel like there's still some things that are missing, but I've got some doctor's appointments set up to see what the next step is. I'm working with a naturopath and I just feel like it's slow and unsteady. Yeah, you remind me of, I have clients who have long COVID and that is a very, very wiggly thing. They're just not enough information on any of this. But what I've always so admired about you, Lindsay, is you are tenacious in your recovery. And you have looked under rocks and (laughs) over the hills and hills, and you have searched for what you need. And that, to me, it's a beautiful way of showing that you love yourself. You're here for you. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, it's very interesting too. I feel for your client because one of my doctors who specialize in Lyme, which is still kind of taboo on our westernized medical system, you know, is saying that there are a lot of the aftermath of Lyme because Lyme is something called a stealth pathogen. And that actually a lot of what long haul, and he's written some good articles, is it also acts like a stealth pathogen. And so it leaves this aftermath of all these symptoms, these chronic symptoms. Yes, yes. Very similar. You know, and she was, well, I have actually three clients. And one of them got COVID right away before there was any testing or nobody knew what the hell's going on and has been suffering since then on some level with that and has had doctors look her straight in the face and say, no, that's, you can't have that. You know, it works itself out and then takes a, you get better, (laughs) you'll get better. And we don't even have a test result that showed that you had it in the first place. So maybe you didn't have it. Well, okay, then I'm just crazy, I guess. I mean, you know, she's just had such a hard time struggling for her right to have an illness that needs attention. But I think too, Laurel, and that really crosses over into the eating disorder, the realm of like you, you know, I mean, not to stereotype our doctors, but our doctors work in this, a lot of these big corporations and this marginalized, this is what 
big pharma says this is what this says and this says, and then they're put in a box of what they can do and don't do. And sometimes there is this arrogance that doctors know everything. And let me tell you, there's probably thousands of different diagnoses that people have that we have no clue what they are. And it's just like in the eating disorder realm, it's for a lot of insurances, like how sick do you have to be to actually get help? Really sick. (laughs) Yeah, for actually your insurance to come in. And I just had that actually with a, because Medi-Cal, as you may know, is horrible with coverage. And I had a client, they don't pay for inpatient. They don't want to pay the therapist if they want to see them twice a week. You can get it for a short while at a time, but then there's this gap of care. And I was fighting with the county for uh, five, six, seven months, leaving messages. Never, They're never calling me back, never assessing. And she finally, finally got an approval even though they didn't do any thorough assessment with her. And by that time, we had come up with a plan of, hey, I really encourage you to get a job where you can get insurance so you can go inpatient. Wow. Because it's that severe. And then as soon as she's the day she started her new job, she got a letter in the mail saying, oh, we'll accept you. Oh, God. Isn't that the truth? Well, the whole medical system, I can't even handle Access it, to care, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's too the focus of why I'm doing some of the things that that I am, because there's so much healing that can be done in our bodies too, if we are connected to source to what is right. And we don't have access to that a lot of the time because our culture cuts us off from it. And it's so based on your body, what you look like, like if you look fine to me, I should be bigger and I'm starving to death. Or the reason why you're sick is because you're overweight. No, this is what everybody in my family looks like. (laughs) Right. I mean, your, your symptoms are because you're overweight, but actually none of what you're doing is what's causing why you're overweight. That's right. That's right. But they just stop at the, you look fine or you don't look fine. And if you don't look fine, then go on a diet and you'll be fine. give you the same old thing over and over again. Anyway, so you have a little bit of a space here. So you want to tell like the world what you're doing and what you're working on and how they can get in touch with you in order to do these things. Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny. Okay. So I have a Google voice and I literally have to look at the number because I always forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They can reach me at my phone number. It's 707-780-2496. My website also has that information. It's selflovetransformations.com. And then really what I'm working on is I have this one day event with the horses intertwining the ecotherapy. And I want, I'm going to continue to do those. I think the next thing I'm up to is I also want to start in eating disorder slash abuse survivor support group with the horses. I'm kind of downgrading my one-on-one sessions. Like I had a few transition out and I'm trying to do a little bit less so I can do more of the ecotherapy and equine facilitated psychotherapy. So that's what I'm working on. And then also just working on Hopefully soon, taking a nice vacation. I feel like I <laughs> I just need a break. Yeah. I feel like the last two years have been a lot, but I'm really working on continuing to integrate those two things and how I really feel like our world needs more of the community-based aspect. It does. 
It does. I think that we got starved for connection and probably we still are. I see this new variable raising its head and this really did a number on the human population. <laughs> you know, um, My dog and cat were fine with it. I was home all the time. They thought that was great, <laughs> but it wasn't good for me. No, and just how much we need touch, especially if those people who are single, and even if we did have animals, that is such an uh, important part. And I can't tell you how many calls like I got for 12 and 13 year olds developing anorexia during COVID. They're like, flip the switch. Well, there were all those TikToks or whatever, people just saying the most weirdest ways of eating that this is what you can do. Where did you get that idea? Well, I saw it on TikTok. Don't do a diet on TikTok. <laughs> Don't do a diet in the back of a magazine that's also telling you that somebody had Elvis's baby. Don't do that. <laughs> You know, I know it's almost like that saying, you know, like at least when I was younger, we didn't have all this, but it was just like, you know, where you had to go to the library and you have to look at really cite the sources and what sources were actually real and legit. It's like there's so much stuff out there that when kids see it, teens see it, think it's legitimate. They do. They certainly do. And I did. I would do anything anybody told me if I thought it was going to end up that I would be elder thin. Here, take this pill. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, what I recommend to all of my parents, what I recommend everyone should watch is The Social Dilemma. It really it nails it to you how much our culture is brainwashed because of it's money. That's right. Money. It follow the money every time. Well, I'm so happy that you were on my show today and that you, you made yourself me. available and I'm so proud of you for the work that you're doing. You really stepped out there. And it's not easy to have a whole other thing to do with your practice. You know, you just followed your heart. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. I hope you got something out of today. <laughs> Ab oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Thank you. All right. You. Take good care. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.